0: There's no question Christianity governed the social, philosophical, and political landscape of colonial America. At least 50 of the 55 signers of the United States Constitution were professing Christians. Even men like Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin, who were technically deists or humanists, were so profoundly influenced by the Christian worldview that they upheld many of the philosophical presuppositions of the more orthodox majority. As a result, uniquely Christian notions, such as the fundamental depravity of man or original sin, led to the abolition of any divine right of kings to rule and substituted in its place the separation of powers and strict limits on centralized government. Our founders believed in the rule of law, not of man. In short, they desired to build a constitutional republic. Tragically, however, There is no question that the tear of Enlightenment humanism was also sown into the fertile soil of the American experiment. Slowly, incrementally, religious humanism has all but become our nation's de facto religion. And so the increasing codification of religious humanism has led to the ultimate irony. The Christian philosophy that gave rise to this country is scarcely able to speak its name when it comes to the arena of public policy. That is what has given anti-Christian organizations such as the American Civil Liberties Union their strength. The fact that a liberal organization can use as a propaganda ploy the popular idea that all our founding fathers were deists and not Christians is indicative of how far our nation has backslidden from the truth. Let's hear what our panel of experts had to say were the declaration of independence and the constitution drafted to uphold the moral laws of god or were they deistic humanist documents if these were christian documents and america was founded as a christian nation where have we gone so far off track
1: Uh, leaving the name of the lord jesus christ out of the constitution was at best short-sighted and i believe any constitutional reformation or renewal uh, should avow the lordship of Jesus Christ over over all things and it was identified at the time Patrick Henry didn't like the phrase we the people Um, he said it should have been we the states and the states if the states had expressed Christian commitments then to say that we the states in the name of the lord Jesus Christ and under his authority that's something I think uh, we should do The question really boils down to, uh, have we learned anything? Did did we learn um, any lessons from how the secularists successfully subverted the language that we used at the founding of this nation? Yes. Uh, And one of the things we should have learned from that is that we should have made our Christian profession as explicit as possible. Um, One of the things I would fault the founders for is that their, their Christian values and their theology, while held, was... Too implicit and consequently too easy for subsequent generations to deny. Uh, At the Constitutional Convention, 50 of the 55 men there were Orthodox Christians. That Christianity, and they presupposed it, they thought it went without saying. But it doesn't, it never, in an unbelieving world, it never goes without saying. So I would, I support not having a national church, Uh, but I think uh, having state churches was fine. And I think there should have been an an express avowal of Trinitarian Christianity in the Constitution. The Declaration of Independence
2: uh, is in effect the Articles of Incorporation, or the preamble for our federal union. The uh, Constitution of the United States, or the bylaws, the Declaration says we are endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights. It acknowledges that our rights are a gift from God that we are his creatures. And uh, it is a simple statement of fact that uh, if God is sovereign, as the framers acknowledged him to be, that law is inevitably the will of the sovereign. The laws of God cannot be overturned by a two-thirds vote of Congress or unanimous decision of the Supreme Court. Uh, Abortion is always illegal in the sight of God. If a civil government chooses to permit it Uh, That doesn't make it legal in his sight. That simply criminalizes the civil government, which advances it. The Declaration uh, goes on to make the point that government derives its just powers from the consent of the governed. And there's a theological principle there in that the governed are God's creatures who owe a duty to their Creator to the degree that they uh, delegate policy-setting functions and control of resources uh, to civil government they have an obligation to God to hold civil government accountable to them so that they can be accountable to him the link between the declaration and the Constitution can be seen in the very first sentence of the Constitution after the preamble which says that all legislative powers shall be vested in a Congress of the United States all vested can't be surrendered. One of the real problems is that Congress simply is not doing its constitutional duty. There was a critical moment uh, during the deliberations over the Constitution when Washington, uh, at the end of a day's deliberations, concerned that the work of the convention might run aground on the shoals of pragmatism, rose to address his colleagues and said, if to please the people, we offer what we ourselves disbelieve how may we then afterward defend our work? Our job is to raise a standard to which the wise and honest may repair, recognizing that the event is in the hands of God. I can't think of anyone uh, who, uh, more comprehensively in the political life of our nation, personified Christian character than George Washington. He was a man of extraordinary character and, and a tremendous leadership example and uh... one of the lessons that we learned from washington's career is that uh... it isn't one's innate wisdom or genius that leads to success washington was in many ways a very bright man but he was not a strategic genius per se he was a plotter and he suffered many defeats in life and on the battlefield but he knew that his duty was to persevere until God was ready to grant him the victory
3: you see this is why the greatest reformed minds the greatest Christian minds in history have recognized that it's not so much what laws you have as your philosophy of law if your philosophy of law is that law is simply something men create well then what man can give man can take away if however your philosophy of law is that it's divine in origin and self-consciously so then you will say we have to do our best to try to abide by God's law. Now, I I need to qualify that because every source of law in every system is always it's God. And so if you say men create laws, then you believe men are God, which is exactly what we have today, where we determine laws based on majority opinion, popular opinion. The most people that we can get to hold a view. we say that must be right. So, yesterday... 27% 27% of the people believed abortion was right, and 73% believed it was wrong, so it was against the law. Supreme Court comes, changes it, a great propaganda campaign, the opinion changes, now we keep the laws. Get the opinions, keep the laws changed, or change more laws. The homosexuals know this very well. Let's Let's convince people that homosexuality is not a choice that we make, not a result of perhaps a fractured childhood or some other sin that was committed against them but let's say that it's genetic and then let's say that it's not fair that we can't get married and let's continue to get that message out now we're, we see ourselves now toying with the very institution of marriage which is the foundation of any society you tinker with that and your, your days are numbered the marriage unit is the fundamental unit in a culture from there, the future comes. But I'm convinced that we're going to have homosexual marriages because, in our culture, the religion of the public square is egalitarian humanism, and homosexual marriages resonate with that and from that. It makes sense to have homosexual marriages based on their worldview. It's an abomination based on our worldview.
4: There's no question that our founding fathers was an amalgamation of some deistic humanists. Uh, Puritan thought, uh, as well as uh, high Anglicanism, uh, all sort of mixed together and jostling for position within the context of our founding federal documents. However, that being said, there was an acknowledgement of man's overriding depravity. Uh, The idea that absolute power corrupts absolutely uh, was not a foreign idea, these men. And so in looking at the Hebrew commonwealth and its decentralized forms of government, our founding fathers in the wisdom set about to create a system where there would be checks and balances against this idea of absolute power governed by man's tyrannical carnality. So we have the three branches of government, all of which are supposed to work uh, to counterbalance the other. And at least theoretically, would keep in check any tyrannical impulse. Unfortunately that all assumes that these three institutions are adhering to God's law because no matter how good the system unless it is under the aegis and covering of God's law any system can revert to tyranny. It can be the tyranny of the majority of paganism, of humanism, what have you. And even in Israel in the Hebrew Commonwealth when they begin to apostatize and fall away from God's law what did they cry out for? a tyrant, a king, like all the other nations. and They paid the price for it. They paid for it in terms of wars, in terms of tyrannical suppression and taxation and ultimately they paid for it in a division of their nation into two separate entities and then the invasion of foreign pagan powers to bring them under the enslavement uh, of their anti-god ways and so they ultimately paid the price for that. We will too if we don't turn back to God's law. First, when we can compare biblical law versus natural law, scripture is the final immutable authority upon every subject of which it speaks. And it is binding not only upon the regenerate that is the Christian, but the unregenerate alike. You either be following God's law and prospering accordingly, or you'll be broken by it. It doesn't change. So whether we acknowledge it or not, it exists, and all men are being judged by its standard. Now there's certainly natural revelation. God has made himself known in the creation. There's evidence of his existence everywhere. But ultimately it's not evidence that man needs. It's conviction of sin. And to have his miscreant, depraved nature arrested. The role of the civil magistrate is to keep a biblical and sound order. To prosper the righteous, and to punish wickedness. You can't do that by natural revelation or natural law. Now, it's true that in a godly or predominantly godly society, men will understand natural law in a way that at least mimics or comes close to biblical law. We see that really in the embryonic stages of our nation. However, natural law can be co-opted and pirated by corrupt alien humanistic worldviews. Natural law can be interpreted from many different um, angles. And in so doing, morality becomes relativistic. However, that can't be said of the Ten Commandments. Because not only do we have the implicit injunction, for example, thou shalt not kill or do murder, or thou shalt not commit adultery, but we have case laws which interpret that law and how it should be administered in the civil realm and so biblical law is superior because it's divine revelation and it's specific and it's applicable
5: I believe America is locked in a life and death struggle that is a battle of allegiances it's a covenantal battle on one hand you have those who self-consciously adhere to the law of God and believe that's the foundation of civilization and on the other hand you have those who don't but The way I see history and the way I see the scriptures is once you depart from the Ten Commandments as being the foundation of right and wrong, you're in a free fall. Make it up as you go. Supreme Court, majority vote, the biggest gun, whatever you can pull off by trickery, by the latest poll. Once you depart from the Ten Commandments, you have relativism, you have humanism, you have the abandonment of absolutes, you have anything. I mean, how long before child pornography is mainstreamed. How long before we do have, not just homosexual marriage, but homosexual unions between adult men and small boys? Because if the law of God is not true, then people might say, I think that's disgusting, but they can't say it's wrong. And then the argument can be used, well how dare you impose your morality on that homosexual and that boy who want to have this relationship, or on that child that's a willing participant in child pornography? See, anything goes and what you have is this kind of a sliding scale into the, into the muck and the mire and, and literally into the jaws of hell. That's where we're headed if we don't return to the old paths, to the ancient paths, to the law of God. George Washington said, it is impossible to rightly govern in this world without God and the Bible. He didn't say the Koran, he didn't say the words of Confucius, he didn't say some of the babblings of uh, ancient philosophers. He understood that it was the Bible, the, the place where God's record of right and wrong are kept. And today, when we speak of pluralism, we're saying that all ideas are created equal, all religions are equal, all moral codes are equal. The founders knew nothing of this. They would have thought that that would lead to chaos. And obviously they were right. King George referred to the American Revolution as the Parsons Rebellion. And many of those Parsons were survivors from Scotland, the oppressions of the English against the Scots, and they had fled to America. These were die-hard Presbyterians who believed in the law of God, they believed in the reformed religion, they believed in the sovereignty of God, they believed in, dep- in the depravity of man, and they understood why we have law. You see, the enemies of the Christian religion and the enemies of the law of God confuse law with faith. They accuse us of wanting to use the mechanisms of government to make everyone a Christian. That is simply not true. Faith in Christ is between an individual and God. But the law, that is what dictates people's behavior. The reason we have laws against theft is because God said, you shall not steal. The reason we have laws against murder is because God said, you shall not murder. We do not want to use the mechanisms of government to create a Christian republic based upon personal faith. What we do want is for there to be a self-conscious recognition that the law of God, what God gave Moses on Mount Sinai, undergirds this republic and all of civilization. King
6: George was appalled at the American Revolution, not because there were colonists who were rebelling against the rule of parliament but because he saw the covenantal implications of what was going on. He actually called the uh, the revolution, not the American Revolution or the colonial rebellion, he called it the Presbyterian Parsons Rebellion. He saw it as a continuation of the Scottish Rebellion against his father uh, some 20 years prior um, when the Covenanters rose up and and established certain standards against which the, the king could not act. Uh, In other words, they they were saying there is but one Christ and Savior who wears the crown of all authority over all of the nations of the earth. There's one King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Uh, The King of Great Britain didn't much like that notion. He thought that he had a divine right to rule. So the American Revolution itself was drawn from covenantal concepts, uh, concepts that held the king in check and that uh, that required action for justice um, uh, when when the king stepped beyond his bounds. A number of the Founding Fathers were influenced by Enlightenment ideas, ideas which ultimately came to be known as Deism or Unitarianism. Uh, Many were freethinkers. Benjamin Franklin, for instance, is a a good example. Thomas Jefferson is another. And each of these men in in one way or another demonstrated the fruit of their deism, their humanism, their their Unitarianism, their free thought in their lives. But in in their public demeanor, they were gloriously inconsistent. Uh, Benjamin Franklin was, after all, best known in the Constitutional Convention calling for prayer. The divine providence would guide all the the, uh, the proceedings of that great assembly. Uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, read the Bible every day, even if he only read portions of it, as he was famously wont to do. Uh, the fact is, is that the Founding Fathers lived in the midst of a, in an inescapably Christian culture. And though they were not perfect men, and uh, though they did not always have their theology buttoned up and sewn up tight. They were men who lived in the midst of a Christian culture, reflected that Christian culture in much of their thinking, and if you examine even the most profligate of the unbelievers, men like uh, Benjamin Franklin, they they were deeply engaged in the theological discussions of their day. Uh, Whitfield, uh, the great evangelist, George Whitfield, was one of uh, Benjamin Franklin's closest friends and was constantly engaging Benjamin Franklin in thinking through the implications of the gospel. So when we talk about our founding fathers, we, we have to readily admit that deism was, was, a, um, was a seed thought uh, that filtered into much of their proceedings and much of their thinking. But but Christianity was the cultural backdrop. It was the stage upon which they operated, and it was inescapable for them. And the Christian capital that we have inherited even this far away from them, 200 years later in America, is evident. The Founding Fathers did, at the Constitutional Convention, kind of want to have it both ways. They wanted all of the fruit of Christianity um, without confessing its root. And ultimately that, uh, that uh, sowed seeds that, uh, that would in many generations to come uh, bring about a bitter harvest. And so to, uh, uh, to be very honest, we, we have to look back at the Founding Fathers and see grave mistakes. Uh, the, the Constitution begins with startling words uh, to come out of a, a, a Christian environment, words that uh, that hearken to the Enlightenment, we the people. Uh, rather than, um, than, than we citizens under the hand of God or in the midst of the providence of God, uh, they, they readily confess their Enlightenment roots. So yes, there are all kinds of problems with our founding fathers and with their thoughts but uh, but no they were not a contradistinction to the great Christian heritage of the West they embraced it they affirmed it uh, oftentimes unconsciously but nevertheless constantly in all that they did and all that they said and uh, all that they passed on to us
0: the American Revolution could not have occurred without the 150 year old Puritan foundation in America the problem of course with the colonial Puritan theocracy was that it was not a true theocracy with separation of powers but an ecclesiocracy, a state ruled by the church. On the other hand, it was the Puritan experiment with self-government which finally led to the emancipation of the colonies from the tyranny of the British crown in later years. In all fairness to the Puritans, we must realize that they came to the new world at a time when the Protestant Reformation was still very much in progress in England. A unifying and comprehensive church confession describing the relationship between church and state had not been adopted. Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Haven, Plymouth, and later many of the other colonies experimented with alternate forms of theocracy. The very word constitution was carried into America's political discussion by the Puritans. To the Puritan mind, constitution is synonymous with covenant or compact although it's true that there was a deistic influence at the signing of the Declaration and the Constitution. There's no question that their foundations were established by the Puritans and were rigorously based upon a Christian political philosophy.